as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please speak to your people through my words. Please give me grace to speak truly. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as Christians, we already believe and know and confess that Jesus is truly God. Truly God the Son. There's no question. But when we come to contemplate the ascension of Jesus, which we remember happened 40 days after his resurrection, so that's always celebrated on a Thursday, and then we remember it also this Sunday after the Thursday. When we think about the ascension, we benefit from fixing our minds on the humanity of Jesus, that he was really a man, truly a man, um, on the human side of the union of his two natures. Because as God, right, because Jesus is God and man, as God, as God, nothing new happens at the ascension, right? God the Son never left God the Father. They're one God. They remain eternally united. So when at the ascension, nothing changes for God the Son. God the Son was always with the Father, always is, always was, always will be. But as a man, something dramatic happens at the ascension, something extraordinary. The man, Jesus, one just like us, goes up to the highest heaven, not just to where Elijah had been hanging out, wherever that was, not even just where the angels are. It's one of the revelations through the book of Hebrews that the name that Jesus has received is so much more greater than the angels and that he's ascended far above them. He's gone up to the very heaven of heavens, which is a way of describing the place where God himself truly is, into the very essence of God. Which means a man, just like one of us, now lives perpetually within the invisible Godhead. Our natural mind will never wrap itself around this truth. Right? This is only going to be spiritually discerned deeper year by year. It's a, a truth impossible to conceive naturally. Right? How does a, vis, a human live fully and permanently within the very essence of God himself? And in ascending, he was veiled by a cloud of glory. I think I've always, I've for many years, under-imagined this cloud. I think I just imagined like a little misty thing, kind of you see in the paintings, the Renaissance paintings, like a little mist around him. I think this was more like the cloud that enveloped them at the Transfiguration or that enveloped Sinai under the Old Covenant. Right? This sort of, this cloud that isn't natural, just water vapor, but is a cloud of glory which veils him from their sight. And so what we see is in the incarnation, the beginning of the life of Jesus, of God and man being united, um, God comes to dwell within the realm of man. The word was, became flesh. And there's a sort of descending quality. In the ascension, we see man going up to the Godhead. And so many of the Psalms give this picture that the angels' heads were just spinning from all this. Like, wait, what? God became man? Glory to God in the highest. Wait, he's... Man, you know, this, this, he's a man. Jesus the man has now been placed, glorified above all of the angels. And the place 
to which he went on ascension is the place where he still is, right? We are continuous. Nothing has changed. The second coming hasn't happened. His location, as it were, hasn't changed. He still is there, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he was installed there, really with a twofold office of king and priest. King and priest. As king, the ascension was, for a human king, like the coronation, which is why we sing crown him with many crowns. And we actually, for the first time in 70 years, have a near reference to this, right, with the British monarch, declared king the moment Elizabeth was, had died, um, but crowned in the coronation many months after. And I think there's a similar sequence in the life of Christ that he, would, he was made king when he was raised in glory on Easter Sunday. Ascension is the coronation ceremony that just sort of reveals and establishes what was the truth when he conquered death on Easter Day. The ascension is his coronation. Ephesians 1, God has seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, right? King words of of rule. And he put all things under his feet. In ascending, Christ assumes the throne that is above all other thrones. He is the king over all other kings, which means his authority to his people supersedes all other authorities. He's more powerful than the demons. He's more powerful than the angels. He's more powerful than every earthly ruler, and we obey him as such. He's established as king, but as king, it's one of the wonderful mysteries we see kind of threading, two threads coming together in the Old Testament and then in the new culminating in Christ of king and priest coming together in a single person, Jesus. Which is why when we say as Christians we are a royal priesthood, we're speaking about both facets of his identity. He went to the right hand of the Father as a man, as king, and also as our priest. Hebrews 9. Christ has entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. That's a priestly role. On our behalf, mediating, advocating. Advocating to the Father for us pleading his very resurrected presence, which is a testimony to his death for us, right? His very scars, his very embodied resurrected life says, I've died for these people, accept them for me. He's advocating for us. So there should be, in Hebrews, this is one of the themes of Hebrews, we should take comfort from the fact that one of our own, a man, a human being, is advocating for us before God. To use a human image, I wonder what it must be like to be Kate Middleton's sister, to know that you've got one of your own kind of on the inside of the halls of power, that if you have a good idea, it could get to the whole country. You know, like this idea, like to have one of your own on the inside would be a special privilege. Magnify that by, you know, infinity. And we have a picture of what it's like that the God-man is one of us on the inside, as it were, of the great tribunal of God advocating on our behalf. The mediation of the ascended Jesus isn't just even one direction. It's not just to God for us. It's also to us for God. That all of God's gifts, and I think sometimes we can miss this in our imagination as Christians. When God blesses us, it's not the abstract, invisible deity blessing us. It is God, all of his blessings pour out through Jesus, who is still a man. 
And that even the Holy Spirit himself and all of the Spirit's gifts come through the ascended Jesus. He's a, a high priest who works in both directions, mediating for and for both sides. Every gift that God has ever blessed you with has come through the ascended Jesus. Has come through his spirit who is poured out through himself. Ephesians 4. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And from his divine vantage point, he now fills the church, indeed the whole world, with his authority. And his church with his spirit. Ephesians 1. The church is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. It's a great mystery there. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The man Jesus is still right now, as we count in earthly years, which to the Lord is but a day, but almost 2,000 years, he has been pleading for his people, pouring out gifts on us. So we give him glory as our ascended king, and our response is awe at his power, and we have confidence to come before him because he is also our ascended priest, our great high priest. Amen.